0: Welcome to another NFC East, NFC West crossover episode. Brian Peacock here of Locked On 49ers. I'm with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys, a storied rivalry. Landon, you and I were just off the air talking a little bit about some older games. I think that's a fun way to begin this thing because the Niners and Cowboys rivalry goes way back. Obviously, they've played since the 60s, but really starting with the catch that was... The beginning of the 49ers dynasty then so many great matchups and nfc championship games in the 90s less important recently games but there have been some good ones recently and actually the cowboys own the 49ers the last five of six going to dallas so the niners uh oh the cowboys a little bit recently um and dallas did take a one game lead 18 17 and one so far in the series between the 49ers and cowboys
1: It's crazy how balanced it is, despite, you know, the kind of very differing paths that the Cowboys and the 49ers (laughs) took kind of after that early 90s uh, season. And both teams have been wildly up and down. And obviously, you you guys have experienced uh, much higher (laughs) areas of success. I I mean, getting all the way to the Super Bowl uh, twice when the Cowboys have not even been back once, um, I, I think, you know, it shows you how different things are from maybe their heyday or at least their last heyday of, of the 90s. And, and the Niners obviously finding their way back into the Super Bowl again last year and, and really kind of establishing themselves as one of the best teams in the NFC and a, and a team that is obviously uh, a favorite or in the conversation to go right back into the Super Bowl next year.
0: And, and my memory is terrible. And I was looking back at some of these games and you brought up a game about when, when um, Tony Rumble got hurt.
1: Yeah. I think it was the 2011 season. Yeah. And we were
0: like, what was that? 2014, 2015. No, it was all the way back in 2011. Uh, Alex Smith versus Tony Romo. Romo got hurt. John Kitna came in to clean up through a couple of interceptions, but the Cowboys still won, beat the 49ers in overtime 27 to 24 in that game, September 18th, 2011.
1: And actually, what happened is that Romo got hurt. Kitna came in. uh, Romo broke his rib. Uh, And had a, I I think it was that injury was even maybe a punctured lung, if I remember correctly. And Romo came back in the game.
0: Oh, he did. So Romo finished that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's why that one stuck out is is that's, you know, in in Cowboys lore, at least for Romo, like that's one of the most famous games because, yeah, Romo had punctured a lung (laughs) and... That's, had yeah. been out for the most of the game and came back and threw a game-winning uh, uh, strike to Jesse Holly, who was—I <laughs> don't know if you remember this—but he was the contest winner of that Dallas Cowboys Michael Irving uh, uh, Michael Irvin uh, uh, a game show that they had oh. done. Uh, I can't remember. Oh,
0: what was the name? Yeah, of it? I remember. Oh, and gosh. so, and there was a few players, uh, and they had the right to earn a spot in training camp, right?
1: One of which was Andrew Hawkins, who ended up, you know, who was actually the the runner up in that in that competition, which I'm still mad about. Uh, but no, <laughs> the guy who won it was a guy named Jesse Holly, who uh, ended up making the team and I think was just kind of a down roster wide receiver. In fact, I think that's may have been his first action on the field. And he caught some I, I, I think it was. 80-yard pass, if I remember correctly, from Romo, where he he kind of was, I think, showboating at the end of it and got (laughs) caught at, like, the one-yard line, but the Cowboys ended up scoring the the go-ahead touchdown. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, since the 90s, to me, that's the game that really sticks out in this, you know, rivalry that renewed between the Cowboys and the 49ers that that really kind of stick out, at least on the Cowboys side. I know that there was another game where, we played and Colin, uh, you know, really took it to us. I think if I remember correctly, yeah, that's but the only I
0: mean, the, the, Go No, go, go ahead. ahead.
1: I was, I was just gonna say like, it feels like, you know, we play so rarely nowadays that especially, you know, in comparison to how great these two teams were way back then that uh, it, it'd be nice to see that kind of rivalry get reignited in some way.
0: Yeah. And back in the nineties, I'm looking at it right now and they played, in that NFC Championship game of January of 93, they came back played in the regular season in October of 93, then January of 94, another NFC Championship game, came back in November, a regular season game in 94, then January of 95, NFC Championship game, I mean, that's insane to be playing that many games against a team that's not even in your division, and man, those were some amazing times in the mid-90s, which makes me think of you know, some players that the 49ers and Cowboys had in common that I'd like to talk with you about a little bit. But going back to that last 49ers win, 2014, so the game we were just talking about in 2011 where Romo got hurt, that was early Harbaugh era, then the end of the Harbaugh era with Kaepernick at quarterbacks, the last time the 49ers beat the Cowboys. This was September of 2014, a 28-17 win. Uh, that was in the new home of the Cowboys in that one.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think if, if I remember that game, it, it was... Uh, the Cowboys were quite nervous and facing this kind of new wave of of what was going on with Kaepernick at the time, and and what was sort of a kind of a new offense with Greg Roman was the OC then, right? And uh, yeah, yep. I I, th- I think uh, you know, they, there was a lot of rightful <laughs> nervousness going into that game, and I, I think if I remember correctly, Colin kind of took it to the Cowboys in a in a, in a big way. So it, it's it, it is interesting again, like uh, to kind of. Look back at these two teams playing randomly, and, and this is something that we've been experiencing with all these crossover shows, and, and and seeing kind of the the timeline of your own team's history through the eyes of of, of the teams that they've played, right. you know, kind of sparsely <laughs> throughout the last four years.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and so haven't played since 2017. That was the Cowboys 40 to 10 win in the first year of the Shanahan Lynch era 49ers a much better team now this one looks like it should be a pretty good one and could be Man. pretty impactful if the with the playoff picture week 15 December 20th on the schedule and I mean, I don't know how things are going to look and where a lot of these games are going to get played but as of today we just got news right before we went on the air about Arizona saying that major league sports can happen without fans This weekend, starting after May 15th, which blows my mind. So, I mean, it might be the the San Francisco 49ers of Arizona going against the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) of Arizona, right? Like, I don't even... It it might be both teams' home field. I mean, I don't know how this thing is going to work out. Hopefully by December, everything's back to normal. This game can happen in Dallas as scheduled.
1: Well, I mean, I I had heard rumors before this that if Texas had gotten ahead of all this, or at least... However, you want to phrase it, jump the gun or gotten ahead of it, uh, right. that that they were thinking about running all the games through through Jerry World. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I would feel like most fans will take whatever is safe and whatever can be done. You know, whether it's an empty empty stadium, uh, full, you know, being played. I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think the idea of the empty stadium play, which to me seems like the most likely solution for a lot of this at least early on i don't know how soon even that's safe but but i think the idea of playing in an empty stadium especially after you know i don't know if you've got a chance i'm not a big ufc fan but i saw you know some clips from the from the fights that were this weekend and they they did something similar to kind of an empty arena and the the fascinating thing to me was just how different things sound you can hear the coaches yelling at the 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 fighters and I, i even heard someone say that there was a commentator who made a suggestion live on the air and the fighter heard him while he was, (laughs) while he was talking about it and and actually made an adjustment and and it helps. So I I think what could be a fascinating development on those lines is just a, you know, they'll have those parabolic mics on the sidelines still, I assume being able to hear the hits and hear the coaches yelling at their players. And frankly, maybe the other coaches being able to hear the coaches yelling at, at the players. So I, I think it'll be interesting just, just to kind of, hear the game within an empty stadium. And, and, and if that comes to fruition, it'll be one of just a couple dozen things that will be very foreign and different this this year, I think, no matter what.
0: I mean, even if it only happened for one game, I would love to yeah. hear that and, and get all of the audio. And look, they would have to bleep out half of the game right with the pair of parabolic mics <laughs> yeah. because of what the players are saying on the field probably after the play's whistle dead and all the trash talking between players but while the play's going on it's it's probably pretty quiet with players intently you know the the crowd noise won't be there and players trying to figure out what's going on then making calls and you'll hear all of that clear as day it'd be kind of fun and definitely hear a lot of what's going on on the sideline with coaches and I'm sure there would be ways to to even steal some plays because you would be able mm. to hear things so well. So that that's really fascinating to me. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing a game or two like that, but I, I hope we don't have to go through too much of this fanless ball because at some point it will be like, OK, th- that was novel for a short time. But let's get let's get this thing going and let's get some fans in the seats.
1: It's, you know, it's just a really weird phenomenon, you know, I mean, and I, yeah, I agree. I think as a phenomenon, it would be interesting up front just to hear a couple, maybe two or three games of this. And and frankly, just to kind of get a little bit more, I mean, as you know, for football nerds, just to get a little bit more insight to what's being talked about Mm -hmm. and what's being said, and, and maybe a little bit more clarity on calls and stuff. I, I think it 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 will be uh you know kind of a fascinating look, but I agree it it probably would get pretty stale pretty quick. I mean, there's I mean anyone who's been to a football game, not not just NFL or any kind of sporting event, there's an energy that is that is created by the the people that go there and that are cheering that that really does kind of filter onto the field. So. I, I yeah you, know, you wonder if how what kind of effect it's going to have on the players playing out there. It's not I mean not that they won't play hard obviously without it, but I think there is something to the idea of, of having fans there and and you know being uh, cheered on. So uh, yeah, I I think it will be an interesting uh, you know asterisk of interesting footnote in in football history. Hopefully, and then you know eventually things will go back to normal soon. Um, but I, I think it's something that should be you know observed and and taken advantage of while we can to kind of maybe get a fresh perspective or or new information on what 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 it's like for the coaches and the players during game day
0: and i don't know how far behind texas will be to arizona but it seems like california is going to be a while before they open things up here and maybe they want to wait and see what a state like arizona who's right next door who has a completely different game plan apparently see how things go there if things get a little bit more lax and opened up a little bit but i got to imagine the 49ers and they have they just drafted brandon Ayuk out of arizona state and john lynch is close with herm edwards i wonder if arizona state's something the 49ers are trying to line up as a as a place they can go practice and potentially have some training camp if they can't do it in california but there's still a lot of logistics there and can if there's only a couple states that are open can will will teams be allowed to practice and have mini camps if not every 100% of the teams are available to find a place to have mini camps will they allow the other teams that can and that are open and their states are open to even meet and practice there's so many questions with all of this that they have to figure out
1: I feel like I heard somewhere that they were there was discussions that they didn't want to open facilities in they didn't want to you know unfairly open facilities until all 32 team states were were open. Right. I could be wrong, but I thought that they had had discussions about that, and I think that that's important because, I mean, that's really you know kind of an unfair advantage if if you know certain teams are able to open up and and you know meet and other teams be you know because of long going laws on yeah. rules or whatever <laughs> are, are unable to to get that same opportunity and you know for the Cowboys they do training camp in California they they do training camp in Oxnard so. I think right now those plans are probably being adjusted. And and for them, you know, they have their own practice facility. So obviously they can do the whole thing at the start. But I, I think that, you know, it's not a simple equation for every team. And I think that, you know, there's certainly something to a competitive fairness on allowing certain teams come back sooner rather than later. I mean, there's already, I think, a competitive disadvantage for, teams that are starting with new head coaches and and new offensive and defensive coordinators because of, uh, you know, the, the delay in OTAs and mini camps. And I think that they're going to try to do their best to make things as fair and equitable as possible. Uh, But I think, you know, right now, how how soon and, 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 and how often and, and how many people at once, I think these are all questions that all teams are trying to figure out for their own practice facilities and their own practices. And and I think there's going to have to be some kind of larger consensus league wide before they're going to allow anybody to step back into a facility.
0: Absolutely. And not only the new head coaches, but what about rookies and players? It's going to be so hard for players to be ingrained. They've already missed mini camp and it's hard enough for players at certain positions to, really get involved in uh, you know p- positions like wide receiver and quarterback that take a little while and act- in fact that's a great segue let's let's come back and talk a little bit about some of the draft picks the 49ers and Cowboys both drafted first round wide receivers and i, I want to ask you about maybe your favorite player that played for both the Cowboys and the 49ers next this episode is brought to you in part by built Bar. built bars are tasty and built bars are healthy if you're looking for that energy, you need a snack. This is ideal, the ideal snack for me because it tastes good, but it's not heavy. It's not going to get stuck in your teeth. You can power one down and go do whatever you need to do. If it's work, if it's a workout, high in protein, low in sugar, That I, I can't stress this enough, low in sugar, it's not dessert. It's actually good for you, but it tastes so good. It's like, how is there only 110 calories, four grams of sugar in this thing? This morning, we trying to get some podcasts going, didn't have breakfast, so I went with the Mint Brownie Delight, which was fantastic. Only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. So low calorie, low sugar, low carb, but high in protein, high in fiber, exactly what you need in a snack. And the best part is if you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED ON, You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code Locked on that's one word locked on for $10 off and build your own box at builtbar.com. Niners Cowboys crossover, Brian Peacock here of locked on 49ers with Landon McCool of locked on Cowboys. Do you have a favorite player or one guy that you think stands out as a player that played for both the Cowboys and the 49ers?
1: Well, that's funny because I was talking about him yesterday with the, uh, with the uh, Seattle locked on Seahawks guys uh, and it's Ken Norton jr. I think Uh, Mm -hmm. he's, he's now the defensive coordinator for, uh, for Seattle. But as far as, you know, Cowboys and, and uh, Niners crossover, I, I, you know, son of a heavyweight champ, fantastic middle linebacker, (laughs) uh, a a true playmaker uh, at the position. I I could have easily obviously gone. I think with the obvious answer to is Deion Sanders, Right, Yeah. Um, but
0: I, as far as this peak, because Deion Sanders was at his peak with the 49ers and the Cowboys, yeah. and how well he was playing. I mean, it's hard to have a better player than than how he played for both those two yeah. franchises. And Ken Norton's a good one, too. And it's amazing how many players they shared in those great teams we talked about in the mid 90s. Uh, the one I would probably put on top of all of them, and it's just because he's got the bling, is Charles Haley. And until yeah. until uh, Tom Brady won his last Super Bowl, Charles Haley was tied with Tom for the most Super Bowl rings ever, with five.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of hard to miss on him, sure. True, I, I think you talk about somebody who was a culture guy for our locker room, and and you know, many people, as far as the '90s teams go, many people point to. Haley as the kind of missing piece uh, to to kind of finish that defense for the Cowboys. And he, and he was, you know, I think by the time he had left San Francisco, he his, uh, you know, his <laughs> I don't know want to call it mental health. But his his his, his mental state had yeah. kind of gotten to a point where he had, you know, made himself not not by many friends in the in the 49ers locker room. Uh, And that was something that was actually kind of greatly needed by the Cowboys is that they needed someone that was maybe uh, a little bit crazy and a little bit willing to kind of get in the face of all these other kind of alpha dogs and show them, hey, this is you're not doing what you need to do to get to that next level. And uh, he was he was really an integral part on making sure that the defense kind of went from a very good assembled of uh, assembly of young players to a great defense.
0: Yeah, he was, a, he was a little bit of a, a different dude, to say the least. One guy who's not an all-time great, but is now on the 49ers, Kerry Hyder. Just signed yeah. a one-year deal, a former Cowboy. Former, He's, only former in cowboy. He's only in yeah, Dallas I liked, for one year. Right? I,
1: liked, I liked Heider a lot last year, and and he came over from Detroit, and, and I feel like he was uh, miscast in Detroit, uh, just kind of playing a lot of nose tackle. And you know, if you look at him, he's just not that sized player, right? Um, and I, th- I think if you look at what he does well, is is kind of a as an inside outside guy. He can play a little bit of, of defensive tackle if you need him. He is, I think one of the things you're going to enjoy with him if you see him in training camp is his body type. He does, his playing style doesn't necessarily match his body type. Yeah, you know, he looks he looks like a, a, like an under tackle, but I think his best spot might be defensive end. Uh, he really gets off the ball well, and, and he and he's you know got some the strength to kind of hold up in the run game as well. Uh, but yeah, I think if you know you talk about some of the recent guys who have gone back and forth with this team, um, I, I go back to uh, a linebacker for us that ended up on on your team, and I, I was a big fan of his. Um, I, I don't, yeah, and he's still there, Mark Inzacha, uh, from Germany. Yeah, uh, he was a pick of the Cowboys a couple of years ago. Uh, and he got a lot of pub as being uh, one of the very few uh, players from Germany. So I was a big fan of his early on, and, and unfortunately he got caught in a numbers game, uh, ended up getting cut, but uh, I really liked him as a uh, you know rotational linebacker, or special teams guy, and he ended up with the 49ers as well.
0: Yeah, he keeps hanging on, and I always expect the number, numbers game to hit him with the 49ers, but no, he's he's got that strong side linebacker depth, and then he's a really good special teams guy, which I think is the number one reason why he's been able to hang on with the 49ers. Uh, I want to talk about the draft a little bit. Niners yeah. and Cowboys both taking first-round wide receivers. CD Lamb falling to 17 overall. Niners passed on wide receiver. I thought they might go Lamb with their pick at 14 after trading down one <laughs> spot, but no, they went with Kinlaw, then traded back up for Brandon Iyuk later. Was the Cowboys fan base and were you guys at Locked On Cowboys ecstatic once you saw someone as good as CeeDee Lamb fall and that the Cowboys didn't screw it up and, and took him at 17 when he was still there?
1: Um, I'll, do, I'll do you one better. I, I specifically was, I was. my freakout began when Javon Kinlaw was the pick for the 49ers because I fully expected CeeDee Lamb's fall to, to stop uh, with San Francisco. So uh, when it didn't, uh, I felt very confident or at least pretty confident that we, the Cowboys were either going to get CD lamb or uh, we're going to get their hands on Caleb on chase who was at the player that the Cowboys fan base would had resigned themselves to not being <laughs> able to get like they, that's the funny thing about the way the draft fell. Caleb on chase was the guy that the Cowboys hoped would fall to him. They, they, you know, kind of given up that CJ Henderson was going to make that fall that fall. Uh, and Caleb on Chaseon was the guy that the Cowboys fans were kind of oh I hope he falls to us no no and it turns out not only did Caleb on Chaseon fall to them at 17 but so did so did CD Lamb and and I think that was it, it was kind of a two-tiered response to be honest Brian like it, the response of when Atlanta picked AJ Terrell and both of those players were available to the Cowboys that was its own you know credible celebration because you know there was the, okay, we've, it's going to be a good choice. No matter, even if the Cowboys screw this up, you know, quote unquote, screw this up and don't take CD lamb. Um, and then that, you know, when it actually was CD lamb, that was the pick. I, I think a lot of us just because of the way this team had been run for the last few years, were just shocked, you know, that it actually, that it actually happened. And, and I think you said it right, that they didn't screw it up and, and not take him. Um, for the Cowboys fan base to, to, to like actually have, and, I, and I've I mentioned this with every single crossover pot I've been on so far. So I figure I might as well, uh, you know, finish the, the tradition. Um, you know, there's a segment of us in, in Cowboys nation that that is on team 40 burger. And basically the idea is that we want to build a Cowboys offense that is going to, you know, score 40 points every game. <laughs> and that that'll be our defensive solution as well. Uh, you know, and, and I think, when, and that was before C.D. Lamb got drafted, you know. And I, I think when C.D. Lamb actually fell to them, and it was a reality that they they were going to get him, and that he was going to, you know, join a, a pretty talented wide receiver core already. Uh, that I think there was a celebration in the in Cowboys Nation. That honestly, I mean, you know, as a as someone who represents a team that has a very large fan base as well. With with large fan bases, it's very difficult to get them behind one thing. You know, a quarterback, uh, uh, uh anything. Unless you unless you've just won the Super Bowl, uh, it's very difficult to get a, a large fan base unified on one thing. I don't know that I've I've seen the Cowboys fan base as unified that night that Ceedee Lamb got that pick, uh, as I've seen since maybe. The 90s or, or you know, maybe some of the highs that Romo got at points. I, I think the Cowboys fans were ecstatic. And and I think there's a lot of potential um and, and hope in, in the Cowboys fan base that there hasn't been in probably a decade.
0: Well, it should be fun on offense, no matter what happens there with uh, the new coaching staff in Dallas. Wasn't C.D. Lamb also a high school guy like had ridiculous stats in texas at high yes. school
1: well yes he was uh, he he was actually from louisiana uh, and his family got affected by uh, uh, hurricane katrina they, and uh, like a lot of families from the kind of new orleans i think shreveport area uh, he ended up in houston and uh, yes he was a i'm pretty sure a five-star if not the top recruit of his high school class um there's lots of there's lots of great video of of him and uh okuda going against each other in, in the, uh, the Nike, uh, elite 11 camps and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy has basically been the best wide receiver on at every level s- s- along the way. So it, it feels like he's coming in with, uh, quite a bit of momentum after what was absolutely ridiculous career, you know, at, in Oklahoma, taking three different wide rec- uh, three different quarterbacks to uh, a Heisman trophy, uh, ceremony. It's pretty, pretty impressive. So. Uh, yeah, I, he's he's basically uh, excelled at a high level, every level along the way, and I I'm, I'm hoping that the NFL won't be any different.
0: It might be a little bit difficult, like we talked about, with the the shortened offseason, and there's two really good players starting in front of him, probably. So, you know, what's he going to be like a a slot guy, number three guy, most likely to start his career? Yeah,
1: I think I think the the thought process was, you know, especially when the Cowboys lost Randall Cobb to a. $10 million a season deal that Houston decided to do, which Oof. I, mean, I love, I love Randall Cobb. But I mean, wow. I-, I think that really caught us off guard, but you know, I think CD lamb kind of slides right in at, as a, as a slot wide receiver, he has a lot of success in college uh, out of the slot. Uh, maybe not a ton of numbers, but very efficient there. And when he, whenever he was there, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, they love putting Cooper in the slot. I think Cooper likes moving around a lot as well. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was just, you know, basically a starter in 11 packages and they basically just kind of rotated around where Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb all all line up.
0: More on the 2020 draft classes is the Dallas offense potentially going to look a lot more like the San Francisco 49ers offense in 2020. More crossover coming up. Brandon Ayuk went to the 49ers. They traded up to pick 25, and apparently uh, after the fact, and it's not exactly clear how they had him ranked, but it sounds like Kyle Shanahan had Ayuk 1 and Lamb very close, and it was between those two guys, and if they didn't draft Kinlaw, it might have been one of those two wide receivers at 14, but I think Cowboys fans are probably pretty happy about how things turned out, and the rest of the draft was great too. You didn't get that first-round corner, but Trevon Diggs still on the board. In the middle of round two, come back with Reggie Robinson, who I really like in the fourth round. Neville Gallimore, Gallimore uh, defensive tackle in round three. I mean, just and even Bradley and I falling all the way to the fifth round. And I I, I yeah. was down on an eye, but when you start talking about him in round five, it's like, okay, that's a great pick, too. I mean, everybody giving the Cowboys an A for their draft grades, and there's it's a good reason. I mean, they allowed the board to fall to them in this funky year, I think, which was well played. They didn't force anything at 17. The guy fell and they're like, well, we got to take this guy. And then look, now another guy fell in round two. Oh, look, it happened in three and four and five. So it's like, they allowed the board to fall to them, which I think was probably the best thing you could say about how the Cowboys played this one in this really odd draft year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, real quick, before I move on to our picks, I, I wanted to say, Brandon Ayuk, it makes total sense that 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 Shanahan would feel that way. Because I, I think for, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I know about Shanahan, he loves receivers who can create with the ball in their hand, you know, yep. get the ball in their hands, let them do stuff. You know, Jalen Hurd, uh, uh, Debo Samuel, these are all guys who you get the ball to them on the move and they're going to make something happen. And I, and if you're looking at power ranking the two best Yak receivers coming out of college – I have to feel like Brandon Ayuk and CeeDee Lamb are, you know, touching tags in, in, in that specific manner, you know? And and so it would make sense that he would see both of those players rated very highly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they're calling, uh, they're calling San Francisco yak city or Santa Clara yeah. yak city now and, because of all the run after catch with Debo and George Kittle are two of the best yards after catch yeah. wide receivers already in the NFL. So yeah, Kyle Shanahan obviously has a type and I tweeted out in February when I started watching more of Brandon Ayuk and I said, I bet, He's one of the players that Kyle Shanahan has a star next to on the 49ers draft board, and uh, they definitely did. And so I love the fit, Ayuk. And again, rookie wide receivers might have to temper some expectations with these guys year one because of this offseason, but I think they're both fantastic players. It'll be fun to watch how these careers develop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I wouldn't at all be surprised this season to see uh, the Cowboys leaning heavily into... More Shanahan type West Coast uh, offensive themes, you know. I, I, they're they're coming from a, a you know a Coriel system base with with Jason Garrett. I think that um, one of the things that Kellen Moore brought into the offense a little bit more was some West Coast offense that he had learned a little bit um, in his time at at Boise State, uh, and they all kind of go back to Paul. Uh, uh, I'm losing, forgetting names, but all back to basically. Pittsburgh in the university of Pittsburgh early where they were teaching West coast concepts with McCarthy as well being there. So I wouldn't at all be surprised to see and I've heard McCarthy speak very highly of, of Shanahan. Uh, so I wouldn't at all be surprised if we saw more of the kind of uh, you know, wide zone uh, based run game with pass concepts based off of that play action, that sort of thing. So uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I, you can, and CD lamb, uh, they're both kind of on sh- shortened off seasons we'll see how the OTAs and, every, and everything kind of plays out but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being used in, in similar manners because uh, you know not getting the opportunity to kind of learn a full route tree or maybe not getting a full training camp these are still athletes that if you can find a way to put them on the field uh, scheme them open or at least scheme them uh, getting the ball in their hands on the move they're still going to find ways to get production and uh, early on in their careers while they're learning the nuances of the position.
0: I just had a flashback. Was the 2017 game, I don't know why my mind went all the way back to our earlier conversation, was the 2017 game the one where Zeke Elliott went crazy on the 49ers? Uh, he had like...
1: That- I think you may be right. Like I don't have I think that whole,
0: side up anymore, but I I,
1: I, I I have it. I have it pulled up. But I, I'll and I'll give me one second. I'll, I can tell you right now because I have it. I'm looking at it right now. The Cowboys. I think. Yeah. So, the I think they gave up 265 yards rushing that game. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, it was. And I think Z. Ze- I think there was another running back too that had a big game. If i remember correctly. or hold on, was it? Yeah, Zeke had 147 yards. Uh, on 26 carries and rod smith had 61 yards on eight carries um yeah so it, it, we had had i think this was i mean obviously this is right in the middle when we were in our um you know our our, our run <laughs> dominate dominate game give zeke the ball and just go downhill on people <laughs> yeah. and especially at that point i think you know this the, the 2017 season eventually Dak got hurt, and and I think actually this might have been the game. No, 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 no. This is I think they did just put him out because of uh, the score. But yeah, I mean, eventually Dak would. Um, Zeke got suspended, and 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 then things kind of fell apart for that Cowboys team, uh, and that was really a, a tough sophomore slump for both Dak and Zeke. Ultimately,
0: and McCarthy's going to be fascinating there in Dallas, and how much is he going to lean on Zeke? And uh, you know, it's West Coast offense, tree, but it's amazing how different the limbs on the West Coast offense. Have gotten and there's the Shanahan yeah. stuff, there's the Reed stuff, and and it sounds like McCarthy in his year off has done a lot of studying and self scouting, and we might see a much different offense than what he had going in Green Bay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that you know at least year one, it's going to be a lot more. Uh, just I think Kellen more than than <laughs> to to use a pun, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot more more, and and I I think that that means that. Immediately, you may not see all those concepts filter in. I think that really what what McCarthy has kind of stated is that he wants to find a way to let Kellen Moore, you know, kind of unleash a little bit. I think the problem at times was last year with the relationship between Jason Garrett and Kellen Moore. There hasn't been talk about them not getting along or anything, but it just felt like there were times when. Kellen was basically allowed to call the game as he wanted. And then when things got tight or if they were playing a particularly difficult opponent, or if they were playing on the road, that that Garrett would kind of take the reins back from Moore a little bit. And so I, I know that the McCarthy came in as a big fan of Kellen Moore and, and really wanted to kind of help promote him, not, not try to take that, that play calling. And I think a lot of people were surprised to see, uh, an offensive-minded head coach come in and not want to call plays, especially a guy who famously gave up play calling at one point at Green Bay and then immediately took it right back. So uh, I, I thought it was really fascinating to uh, that he was willing to give the reins back over to a guy like Kellen Moore who – it just sounded like, you know, in the kind of interviews that he had given in the offseason with Peter King at different points that he really had a lot of respect for what Kellen Moore was doing with the Cowboys, you know, from from afar.
0: December 20th, week 15, 49ers at Cowboys. It's one of five primetime games for the Niners, the only one on the road. It should be a lot of fun. There was some other matchups I wanted to preview. We're going to talk again before that matchup in December that we can preview some big ones like Nick Bosa against Tyron Smith, and I can't wait to see Kittle against those athletic linebackers of the Cowboys. It should be some very good ones. We can dive deeper into the individual matchups there when we get closer to week 15, but it's, it's fun. It's always a fun game when the Cowboys and Niners get together and land in. It's a pleasure chatting with you. And I look forward to doing it again.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait. And again, so much tradition between these teams. I'd really love to see that rival rival get reignited. It'd be great if we could, uh, you know, extend that tradition and maybe meet again in the uh, NFC
0: Championship game. Ooh, come back a few weeks later and play and play <laughs> a month later in January again. That'd be, uh, that'd be fantastic. I just hope there's a game in December to be played yeah. more than anything at this yeah. point. Uh, but it could be a really good one. Both teams could be very good in the 2020 season. Uh, you can find Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Tell a friend. Their team is covered daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.